Hello again, friends. Welcome back to the Gospel According to Joe. This is season two. After taking a bit of a break, a bit of a hiatus with the arrival of the pandemic and homeschooling and one of the strangest summers I've ever lived through, um, it's time to get back at it. I've also been busy experimenting a little over at another podcast called Hope and Other Goodness. Uh, There, my friend Kyle and I, Kyle Carnes and I, have just been playing with this medium, um, doing a few different things, uh, messages that are a little more sermon-like, a little more directly theological proclamation, Um, also things that were a little more devotional, things that responded to what was going on this summer with regard to the Black Lives Matter movement and all kinds of different things. Uh, We also had a few conversations that we posted there, um, and we did some learning through all that, which was great. So if you'd ever like to give it a listen, just simply search up Hope and Other Goodness. But as far as this project goes, I would like to begin in to some questions. Questions I've had in the past, maybe questions I'm still wrestling with, and I'm hoping questions you've had. Um, and I'd love to hear those questions directly. You can email them to me at the gospel according to Joe, all one word, the gospel according to Joe at gmail.com. Or if you go to the main podcast website, that's anchor.fm slash the gospel according to Joe. Again, all one word, anchor.fm slash the gospel according to Joe. There is a button there that says message. It almost looks like you'd be sending me a text, but it allows you to send me a voicemail through that main website. So please, any questions you have about things I've said here, things you maybe have heard Kyle and I talk about on Hope and Other Goodness, I would, I would love to hear those questions. I'd love to have those lead us through, lead me through what this second season will become. So yeah, that's the idea. Talk through some questions, see where it goes, see where parts of the story arise and come along and become part of the answer, perhaps. So today I want to start out with two uh, simply worded but rather fundamental and big questions, uh, but just to dabble into them a bit. So one of the first ones would be this whole notion of Christianity as a label, and do I call myself a Christian? That's something I've been pondering lately. I don't want to say struggling. It's not a struggle. But I do wonder how helpful the word is or isn't at times. So I have a tendency to want to answer that. Um, My dad's voice comes into my head from when I was a kid. You'd ask him a question and he'd respond with, who wants to know? And he said it to be funny and you'd be like, you know, I do, dad. Um, But in all honesty, I feel like that's the best response to this question. So are you a Christian? I feel like I have to say, well, who wants to know? Because the answer really depends on the viewpoint and framework and thought process behind that question. For example, if I were at a spiritual retreat with people from all sorts of different faiths, Muslim, Hindu, Sikh, or Sikh, is it? Um, Jewish, and someone said, are you a Christian? I would absolutely say yes. I've been born and raised in the Christian tradition. Um, I find my spirituality through the stories of Christianity, in particular the stories about Jesus and what I understand that all to mean. 
And I think for other seekers along the way, other spiritual people, uh, no matter their background, if we were at a meeting like that where everyone understands that all the different traditions have something to bring to the table, I would have no problem claiming my Christian identity and labeling myself as such. But on the other hand, if that context is different, if the question is put out, well, without context, something like Facebook, are you a Christian? I don't know who's hearing that answer. I don't know what the motivation is behind it being asked. And it starts to become problematic for me because some people have a lot of baggage around what the institutional Christian church is, what it has been for them personally or what it has represented to them culturally, or maybe just they've taken in notions of this sort of popular American Christianity that they perceive as having to do with a certain sort of moralism or judgment or saved or unsaved, you're in or you're out. And I don't know that I want to claim a label that can get tied up with all of those things. I don't know that God cares whether or not I claim that label. Actually, I'm quite positive God could care less whether or not I claim a label or not. So it gives me pause. It makes me want to say, well, who wants to know? Am I ashamed of the name Jesus? No, but I am a little leery of how some people have misused and abused this, the name of this first century Palestinian teacher who many came to follow as the Christ of God. Because all those things that get tied up with his name and with the name of Christianity, so many of those negative things, the judgmental, the um, saved or unsaved, in or out, moralism. You don't see Jesus doing any of those things in his life and teachings, nor even in some of the beautiful theology that sought to explain what his life, death, and resurrection were all about, um, his miracles, his teachings, what he represented, what he showed us about God. So you can be part of that group and, and, and embrace those teachings and follow closely to what Jesus was about and never come anywhere near drawing lines in the sand that simply exclude others on the basis of their beliefs or their sexuality or anything. Because Jesus never excluded in that way. And the only really strong line he ever drew was an attempt to stop those who were abusing the law to draw lines like that. If you read the Gospels time and time again, Jesus is opening up, expressing new and profound ways to invite outsiders in to this thing he called the kingdom of God. Um, and so I don't know, the name Christian, does it apply? Does it help? Does it mean anything? Does it matter? Now, I noticed that can sound heretical probably to, to people who do claim that title and who know the history of the Christian church and know that people died for that name in the early days, the early centuries of the church. But I don't live in those times. I live now, and I don't know how to follow into the ways of Jesus in a way that honors that name always 
by using it. It doesn't seem helpful in every context. I guess I should put it like that. Comes back to my dad's line. Who wants to know? So anyway, we will definitely talk more about this question at some point, but I just want to offer that as a starting point. Who wants to know? I don't need the title. Uh, if it helps to describe the fact that I find the stories of Jesus and some of the theology of Christianity is truly life-giving and helpful for myself, but not limiting to others, and in their story, if whatever their story is and their journey, I don't see it as impeding upon that or needing to be forced or laid over anyone else's understandings of life and deeper reality, um, spirituality. So maybe that's the main thing. I, I, my, my main beef with it is I don't think it has to impose upon anyone else the fact that I find it meaningful. I'd like to hold it that way. I, I do within myself. Whether or not that makes any sense to anyone else, <laughs> I have no idea. But for me, it doesn't impose on anyone else any sort of notions of something you have to believe or don't have to believe, you know, and that that defines you as either loved or not loved by God. I don't think that has anything to do with it. And part of the reason I say that is because I believe that we all are loved by God. I think that's part of the message that I find really uplifting and hopeful and powerful about the Christian story as I understand it. Which brings me to the second question. What I thought was going to be the main question of this is, so is the good news even good? And I guess that's what I'm already getting into here is this notion of in and out, saved and unsaved. Richard Rohr, who I... I don't know if I've mentioned him on this podcast before, but who has informed my current understanding of spirituality in profound ways with the work he's, he does at a place called the Center for Action and Contemplation. Richard Rohr is a Franciscan uh, priest and teacher who's been around for a long time doing great work, writing books, speaking, and then starting this center. He'll occasionally say things like, he will point to this notion of a universal Christ, a universal reconciliation of all things through God, um, and tell the story, the Christian story in a way, deeply traditional but also uniquely expansive and inclusive in a way that we haven't held on to over the past centuries, millennia. But he'll occasionally say things like, making that point that all are included in this love. And you'll say, how could it be any other way? To say that God is love, to say that God is loving, how could it be anything short of a holy redemptive move that God is about, a holy restorative move? For if God is love, love is going to seek out to the last all of us. And love is not going to impose love's self upon the beloved either. How could it be any other way? And that really just strikes a note within me. It strikes at something I've wrestled with since the time I was probably sixth grade, seventh grade, I can't remember. Um, sixth or seventh grade, this notion of being told, here's what Christianity is, and it's good news. It's this thing we call the gospel, which means good news, and it's good because it's a story of how much Jesus loves us. And then there was always this big but at the end of it. <laughs> but... 
if you don't know it, if you don't believe it, if you walk away from it, then it's it's not only not good news, it's actually really bad news. Um, so I've just always, I've struggled with that because it didn't make sense to me that something so good could include this thing that's so bad. But what I've learned is that isn't the only way to understand Christian theology and Christian thought. And in fact, there's a deep tradition of Christian mystics and others who have embraced the story, the good news about Jesus in ways that are these ways that Richard Rohr is articulating now. And they are so expansive and inclusive and beautiful that they really do start to sound good in the fullest sense of the word. As the Gospel of Luke put it, and I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. See, this is the sort of stuff I was brought up in and grabbed me and has been a gift to me my whole life. But I've never known what to do with that but that came at the end of that. But I've had a suspicion that the other side, the dark side, the but, and the you have to believe this and that, I've had the suspicion that those things aren't of God, that those are things that man has put on to the end of that sentence. And when you look at the life of Jesus, you start to see like, yeah, he, he never did that. He never said, but you're in and you're not. He did warn those who wanted to use laws to draw lines between people that they were playing with fire. But other than that, when you watch his interactions with people who are outside of his sect, outside of the Jewish community, he welcomed them in. He told stories that made it clear that it was more about how we loved one another that was important than who was in and who was out. And he welcomed all who came to him without giving any sort of theological test. So what did that mean? What did that mean that someone from a totally different heritage and background could come to him and receive healing and wholeness and love without being given a doctrinal test beforehand? Well, I think it means that we don't have to apply those tests either. I think it means that we can live in the space where the good news truly is good news. But there is a lot to unpack around that because it has to do with 2,000 years of theology, human development, um, you know, the rise of science, the rise of the economies we know in the world. So many things have gone into how we understand the world now and how we think about things now as opposed to the times of Jesus or opposed to the early Christian mystics. Uh, you know, and different strands of Christianity held on to different things in different ways. And we've only been holded, handed one little strand of that for the most part as individuals. And there's just so much that goes into the little piece we've been given that may or may not be helpful, that may or may not be the whole story, that may or may not include how to transform us in the ways that the Christian story has the potential to transform us. And you know, it's funny because even as I say it that way, I start to feel like I'm trying to sell you something. I'm trying to sell you my version of Christianity, right? I'm really not. I have no interest in that. Accept the name, don't accept the name. 
I do think there's good news at the heart of it. I think there's beautiful good news at the heart of it. But it, it's not to be sold, bought and sold, commodified. But can we even understand that in this day and age? Everything's for sale, right? Everything's for sale. And everybody's selling all the time. Look at me, look at me, look at this, look at that. Sell, 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 buy, buy, buy. The language of our society is commodity, sales, objectification. So how do we find good news in that? I think we find it by stepping back, by removing ourselves from the market, finding stillness, finding a sense of our own path and place, our own experiences of love and the things that are greater than us, and making sense of them with, with whatever tools we've been given, have been at our disposal, have resonated with us. For some in my context, that will be Christian stories and Christian tools, but not for everyone. And perhaps those tools have been tarnished and are un currently unusable. For others, it'll be stories of the Muslim faith, the Jewish faith, or maybe things completely outside of those traditions, or maybe a little hodgepodge of all of those traditions. If it's true in one place, it's true everywhere. If it's helpful in moving us toward what those great traditions point toward, or I should say moving into what those great traditions point toward, then it is giving us access to truth and life and beauty and love. All words that could simply be substitutes for God or if you prefer the universe, the beyond, that which transcends. So am I a Christian, and is the good news even good? Yes, and yes. But, who wants to know? All right, so I would love to keep this conversation going, but ask me questions about it. Or, if your questions lead to something else, we'll go in that direction too. That's all for now. Catch you next time on the Gospel According to Joe.